Hello and welcome to Adam and Teve, your feminist radio show on CJSR 88.5 FM in Edmonton and around the world at cjsr.com. My name is Marco Visconti and I will be your host for this evening. Thank you for tuning in. On today's show, we're casting our feminist gaze towards public and active transportation and making a journey to learn about equity in walking, biking, and transit in Edmonton. We're going to hear from Serena Tang, illustrator and transit advocate, Anna Ho, co-founder of Paths for the People, and Carla Ray Taylor, one of the artists working on Paint the Rails. But first, I thought I should address why we're talking about public transportation and why I think this deserves feminist critique. First of all, it's worth noting that Alberta is in line to receive $2 billion in funding to revamp its transportation infrastructure, so we're probably going to be talking about transportation for a while. Beyond that, transportation is not just about the way we move about the city. It has a huge impact on our social well-being. Transportation is about how we get to work, how we see our friends and family, and how we get home safely at night. And I believe it is an area of society where social inequalities are often expressed. While some people choose to use active or public transportation for reasons of ethics, for many, catching the bus or hopping on their bike is their only viable way of getting around. I mean, owning and maintaining a car is expensive. I wasn't able to find statistics for Canada, but I did find American data from the Pew Research Center from 2014 showing that certain folks do tend to take public transportation more than others, namely people of lower income, black and Hispanic people, and immigrants. There are many reasons why this may be. For example, people living in urban centers tend to take advantage of public transportation more often than those living in rural areas by default. However, when public transportation projects are contested and delayed or slashed, which has often been the case here in Edmonton, it is safe to say that typically it is the most vulnerable folks in our communities who suffer from these reduced services. And that's why I wanted to dedicate a little time today to explore some stories about transit and its role in our lives. Our first stop on today's show is the Edmonton Digital Arts College, where I met with my friend Serena Tang, illustrator and local transit advocate, about why she thinks public transportation is important. I'm sitting here at the Edmonton Digital Arts College with an old friend of mine and an old friend of the show, uh, Serena Tang. Um, You've been a guest before, but could you introduce yourself and tell us what you're all about? (laughs) For sure. So my name is Serena Tang. Uh, I am a teaching assistant here at the Edmonton Digital Arts College, um, but I also am an illustrator based out of Edmonton and, you know, a a longtime Edmontonian. I grew up here, so this is my home city. And the more, you know, we've kind of gone through life, the more I've looked at how the city is running and really thinking about what goes on and what our future entails for the city, because it's growing to be a really nice place. And I think we deserve nice things. (laughs) Yeah, I wanted to talk to you because um, we're talking about public transportation and walkability and bikeability on the show today and trying to view these topics through a feminist lens because I don't think people really consider them in that light all the time. And 
you were definitely part of the inspiration behind this because as I've known you, you've become a greater advocate for public transportation and bikeability uh, within the city and become more vocal about it. So I'm, I'm wondering, how did, you, how did you get into this kind of advocacy? Where did the, your interest you know, get, where, where did it be, get sparked, I guess? I've taken transportation in the city for about maybe close to 10 years of my life, starting out, you know, in schooling and then going on and still using the bus just because it was there. And as a student, it was the main form of transportation that was the most affordable. Um, but it just kind of teamed up with maybe a personality quirk that I I always had about speaking up and looking at things critically and the two joined each other at this one point in my life and now I try to keep up with transportation news and you know maybe a lot of people don't hear about it yet but I hope that even with this the group of people that I do have a a connection with at the moment they are starting to look at this in a different way that they haven't thought about so yeah I kind of stumbled into it I'm not that mad about it (laughs) I, I like talking about transit and people don't think about it as much but when you really do sit down and dedicate time you realize that it is a huge part of our life and i think you're right to say that how we move around the city does impact all aspects of our life and from what i've understand through your um, involvement in like twitter discussions about like traffic (laughs) and transportation and yeah that conversations can get quite heated Um, could you explain where this heat comes from often we have to remember part of Alberta's history and especially Edmonton's history. So we know now that Edmonton is um, a million people getting close to, um, and we're very far north, which means that we are a hub for a lot of traffic that goes north north or uh, northeast or ev- everywhere like that. So it means everyone's passing through us that's still doing a lot of industrial things. And Alberta is still an industrial province. We shouldn't forget our roots. That's who we are. And so we're taking this very blue collar city um, and transforming it into a capital city, not to say that it didn't have arts funding and that kind of culture when we became a capital, but within the last 15 to 20 years, it's really exploded. And with that comes change and with that comes different lifestyles. So I now see it less as aggression and more as a fear on how their life used to be and almost um, a fear of being pushed aside and being looked at as a less sophisticated type of life. And I can see that and I, and I don't want people to feel that way, but I can, I can understand why it can, it can seem like that. Because with walkability and um, active transportation, so active transportation is a really nice um, open term for uh, just getting around without being as dependent on cars. Active transportation brings forth um, this more uh, new age and fluid and uh, of course more arts based and kind of like living life kind of lifestyle. And so when it's put into an environment like Edmonton that still fosters uh, hardworking, industrial, nine to five year blue collars and, you know, working uh, um natural gas stuff like that um you can see where that starts to butt heads you have um ideas from one group really clashing with the other had lots of talks about transportation with people but there was one that was really eye-opening when chatting with someone and they did mention that um they were they were commuting by carpooling or 
or other types of transport. I don't really remember the conversation. But the reason why they did that was because their parents believed that transit was only reserved for for people of color or for people who who worked, you know, odd shifts. And they didn't even have to say that much, but that implication was so strong and everyone knew what they were saying was that public transit is only for people who aren't having the quote-unquote important jobs, the, the, the jobs that are recognizable and successful. I think there's something there that needs to be explored. I mean, just within the confines of like race and ethnicity, like whiteness has always been attributed with affluence. Mm-hmm. Having a car is also a sign of wealth and status. So like the wealthier you are, the less likely I think you are to take <laughs> public transport or to use active transportation because it's a sign of success to not be able or not have to use those forms. I, I think that's also part of maybe why there can be pushback when it comes to investing in these these systems that will actually improve life for lots of people in the city who might not be you (laughs) um it'll but they're kind of seen as undesirable in a way because they they rely on this public service welcome back to adam and eve your feminist radio show on cjsr my name is marco visconti and we just finished listening to an interview with serena tang about why public and active transportation are worth advocating for. Our next stop on today's show is here in the CJSR studios, where I met with Anna Ho, the co-founder of Paths for the People, to talk about equity in walking, biking, and transit, and why these should be priorities for any city. So there are mornings, of course, like this morning, where I thought, I'm so tired, I don't really want to ride. (laughs) But once I'm on my bike, it always feels better. And I would say that being on my bike, I always feel better after it than Mm. if I had made a choice to to drive my car. Yeah. Driving my car, I always feel more tired. (laughs) My name's Anna Ho, and... I'm the executive director of Paths for People. Uh, Paths for People is a not-for-profit organization. We're a fairly young organization. We started in 2015 officially, and uh, we promote and advocate for safe infrastructure for walking and biking, trying to make Edmonton streets more accessible Mm -hmm. to everyone. In our correspondence, you use the term um, equity in walking, bicycling, and transit. Uh, And I was wondering, what does it mean to have equitable transportation, in your opinion? Equitable transportation is something that is accessible to everyone. It's accessible to people regardless of gender, of, of income, of age. It's something that allows you to get to where you need to get to for work, to pick up groceries, whether or not you have a car, whether or not you choose to have one or can afford one. Mm -hmm. It provides citizens and community members with more choice. In in addition to providing accessibility to everyone, Mm -hmm. it's also something that that allows us to, to walk and to bike with comfort and with safety so that the only the only choice is not the motor vehicle but also right. other options and these other options have health benefits they have sustainability benefits and so it's it's sort of a big picture mm-hmm. yeah I like that um, 
notion of just creating more choice for people rather than people being forced into the only solution that's viable. I think that's what what happens is if you design your streets and you design infrastructure for just cars, then that's the only option people are going to be able to take. But not everyone is going to be able to drive for health reasons or for income reasons. And so if if we want our cities to be accessible to everyone and we want to encourage other modes of transportation, then I think we need to build for that. Mm-hmm. We need to have that in mind. Mm-hmm. Do you think that Edmonton has an imbalance of choice when it comes to deciding how you're going to, you know, get someplace? <laughs> uh, that's a pretty loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> I asked that with yeah. a sort of knowing smile. So. I, <laughs> so I do think, I do think that change is happening in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. I think there is a, a growing, uh, a growing trend and desire to see change on Edmonton streets, mm-hmm. to see it become a more equitable transportation option, something that allows for people to ride their bikes, to walk, and knowing that if one chooses to take transit, it always starts with a walk. And whether that's mm-hmm. someone who is young or someone who is old, it, it doesn't matter. It's something that needs to be comfortable and safe for all those age groups. It's going to be difficult to get out of that mindset of, well, I'm, gonna, I'm going to take my bike or I'm going to walk because there are sections where you don't feel safe. Yeah. So that requires a, a lot more forethought and, and consideration. And will we take that option? Well, we might not because yeah. we don't feel comfortable with that choice. Yeah. I want to go back to what you said about um, that being a loaded question because um, I, I definitely feel like transportation gets people a little riled up. Um, because we live in such a car city, is it a political statement to not drive a car <laughs> in Edmonton, do you think? I feel it has that sense of politicization. I I personally feel it comes down to a choice and that should I choose to ride my bike or choose to take transit, that is one less car that is on the road. Mm-hmm. And if, if you are a car driver, I see that as a win because I am no longer in traffic with you. Mm-hmm. I have now pulled myself out of traffic. It eases the congestion on the road, and I see it as a win. So why is it so politicized? I think it comes down to sharing. I think <laughs> right. I think it's difficult to visualize the road space as something that we can all share in because it it's approached as if I get to ride my bike, then I am taking something from you. And I think that's, I don't think that's uh, an accurate observation about active transportation. I think active transportation is about, is about equalizing the playing field of the various transportation options and making it more accessible. We've talked a lot about infrastructure. I've also been thinking about campaign, like the safety campaigns that ETS has been doing about um, improving like, social interactions on shared spaces. So I'm wondering, um, in our in the way that we build safe, active transportation, do we also need to go beyond infrastructure and um, work towards uh, improving the way we, you know, interact with one another? Just the cycling in general. I was th- also thinking about that incident. I think a couple of years ago with uh, Bashir Mohammed, uh, who 
um, shed light on you know the aggression you can face just being a cyclist, but of course being a person of color and a cyclist um, compounds that aggression. I think mm-hmm. being a woman and being on public transportation compounds the sense of unsafety. Uh, being a part of the LGBTQ community, for example, uh, are these are these things that Pass for the People also wants to address, like protecting people who are just vulnerable in general in society? So Pass for People has largely been involved in advocating for for hard infrastructure changes mm-hmm. in the city. But one of our initiatives is also called Cyclovia, which is a sort of an open street event where you you the streets are open to cycling and to walking and any other pop-up type activity mm-hmm. that might happen on the street. And the idea behind Cyclovias and open streets is that it is a community event and it breaks down those barriers in a very active way, breaks down the barriers between cyclists, pedestrians, and motor vehicle you drivers. Right. And I think that's an important part of it is to 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 take our communities, bring them together and to talk about active transportation and educate about active transportation in a way that that does break down those barriers so that we don't label ourselves as something uh, mm-hmm. as be, I I am just a person <laughs> right who happens to live in Edmonton mm-hmm. who has a family and wants to ride a bike. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I choose to ride my bike. Sometimes I choose to walk. My children take public transit. Sometimes I choose that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we drive our car. Yeah. But it doesn't define what we are or who we are. Right. It's just a choice. And by holding events like Cyclovia, which we're in the process of planning, uh, it of course, is no small task to close down kilometers of roadway. <laughs> uh, but but by introducing this concept and by bringing Edmontonians together, and, and the idea behind it is also to connect various communities so that it is a connection of communities, of people within those communities, to talk about, to not just to talk about it, but to to see active transportation in in. Yeah, in on a, the street in a person, you know. That's right, and to see somebody on a bicycle and to think, oh, well, actually, you know, that is a maybe I can try that, right. or to to walk next to somebody and say, oh, yeah, actually, I have tried riding my bike in yeah. the winter. It just breaks down those barriers and takes away this idea that I am a cyclist. Right. <laughs> there's so many assumptions about it. I think there's a lot of assumptions about people who only take public transportation as well, and it's kind of baffling in a way because it it's just a choice or or it's the most comfortable way <laughs> you mm-hmm. can move around the city uh, but I think we do hold on to these um, judgments about each other about you know what other people are doing welcome back to Adam and Eve your feminist radio show on CJSR my name is Marco Visconti and we just finished listening to an interview with Anna Ho the co-founder of Paths for the People an organization that advocates for safe, active transportation. If you're just joining us, today's show is about highlighting the social impact of public and active transportation. And our final stop is going to be at Churchill Station, where I met with Carla Ray Taylor, a visual artist who is helping to paint Edmonton's LRT stations with Paint the Rails. 
Paint the Rails is a joint initiative between the John Humphrey Center for Peace and Human Rights and Edmonton Transit Service that is bringing permanent art installations to six of Edmonton's LRT stations. Carla Ray Taylor is one of the artists helping to conceive and implement these art installations, and I met with her to discuss the importance of bringing art inspired by Indigenous knowledge to the train stations. So the title is Returning Home. Um, what, what does that concept mean to you? What does it mean to return home? Um, well, there's, I mean, there's the piece about ETS, actually returning people homes to their homes safely and home can mean a variety of things so um, there is a cityscape there's uh, the traditional camp um, there's also uh, when it comes to returning to the other side or to um, transitioning into death there's yeah. there's the cosmos and for me that's it's um, my idea of what our souls where they return home to yes yeah. into the great mystery My name is Carla Ray Taylor and I'm a local artist, visual artist, and um, I've been a part of a project called Paint the Rails. It's a partnership between the John Humphrey Centre and ETS and it's been going on for the last year or so and it will continue, continue on throughout the next couple of years and we will be painting six different train stations in the city. Yeah, and we're standing outside one of your murals you did uh, called Returning Home here in Churchill station so if you hear train sounds <laughs> that's why um, thank you for meeting me here I wanted to meet at this particular mural because it's the first one you've done um, with a collective of artists and it's also one that I think says something important about uh, the right to feel safe as we travel throughout our day and uh, about using public transportation um, but because we're on the radio and people can't necessarily see <laughs> the mural, I was wondering if you could um, describe it. I know there's a, there's a large central grandmother figure um, who's, who's holding a, a shawl that's turning into a wing. Uh, what does that figure mean to you? Um, for me, the grandmother is very protective. Um, so she, uh, as you had mentioned, it's about returning everybody home safely. Uh, so initially, the idea was that we'd like to draw attention to the topic of the missing and murdered Indigenous women in Canada. Uh, and it also came to light that ETS has a campaign about uh, respecting all and bringing everyone home safely. So we kind of merged the two ideas. And um, out of our community, community engagement sessions, there was a few different topics that came to light, and that was one of them. Um, the topic of the missing and murdered Indigenous women, but also the importance of the grandmothers and, um, and listening to the stories of the elders. And uh, within that, there's some traditional knowledge and, and knowledge that uh, each of us can take home. Yeah, and I, I noticed above her you have the red dresses from Jamie Black's Red Dress Project. Was there a reason why you wanted to quote that particular art installation? Right, so Jamie Black um, had created a project called the Red Dress Project, which became quite an iconic art piece across Canada. Uh, and I wanted to quote that uh, because it's something that's recognizable that people have been discussing and that really is effective in drawing attention uh, to the topic of the missing and murdered Indigenous women. Um, so in the mural, you'll see that there's a clothesline and there's a, there's a small house and there's a clothesline uh, and on the clothesline there's the red dresses and they fly off 
they fly off <laughs> the line and they morph into red birds. And those, that represents the women who we've lost, uh, who are still missing, who've gone, who've gone missing, who are murdered, and uh, their souls are flying off into, into the great mystery. So uh, you'll notice that the, the dresses morph into the birds, the birds fly around the concourse, and on the far side there's another mural. Uh, of the galaxies, of the, of the cosmos, and that's supposed to represent the birds, uh, the women returning home to the, the great mystery. Um, there's also the cycles of the moon, so that was another piece from the grandmothers that, was, uh, that I really connected with. Uh, we talked about the moon and water and the significance of that in relationship to women. Um, and so we incorporated the, the moon cycles uh, as a way to honor the feminine aspects. You mentioned that the, um, these murals came out of stories that you heard from these engagement sessions. I was wondering, could you talk a little bit more about um, who, who shared stories in these sessions and what stories came out and how you found inspiration in them? Okay, so there's um, quite a few different engagement sessions that we've had. Uh, one man in particular, Dwayne Donald, uh, he works for the University of Alberta as a professor, but he's also a traditional knowledge keeper and uh, Papa's Chase Cree. Um, and so he uh, led us on the River Valley Tour, uh, which I encourage anyone to partake in. It's an incredible tour of um, the River Valley around the university. And he really shared some incredible stories with us about the land and about uh, traditional peoples. And you'll notice in the mural that there's teepees around the Beaver Hills, right around where the bridge is. And that was the traditional uh, camp area for the Indigenous people. Um, but we also met with the, the Cookham Society, uh, our actual uh, unveiling. Um, they were involved in that as well, and they were releasing their annual calendar at the same time. So it was a great honor to have the grandmothers present. Yeah, there was a number, number of other elders and knowledge keepers that really shared a lot of great wisdom. I'm wondering, is it significant to you to have a piece, or multiple pieces, because I know you're working on multiple pieces, in... Um, the train stations in like a, a very public space? I think having the murals in uh, a public space as the train stations is so important. Um, it's important to start conversation. There's thousands of people, incredible people that go through here every day and they're going to see them and it's going to spark conversation and hopefully around topics that are uh, necessary to talk about and just bring, uh, bring Edmonton's cultural stories to light. Um, you know, we're in a time of reconciliation and we're trying to integrate those original stories of how we came to be here. Welcome back to Adam and Eve, your feminist radio show on CJSR. My name is Marco Visconti. We just finished listening to an interview with Carla Ray Taylor about a mural she helped complete in Churchill Station, which honors missing and murdered Indigenous women and that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this particular episode about the social impact of public and active transportation and why these topics deserve feminist critique. Adam and Eve will be back in two weeks time with some more fresh feminist adventures. Once again, my name is Marco Visconti and I will leave you now with the bus song by Jay Som. Have an excellent adamant evening.
Adam and Eve is a spoken word project of CJSRFM, and our journalism is funded by you, the listeners. We produce this week's show at the CJSR studios in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, on Treaty 6 territory. We are grateful to the diverse Indigenous peoples of this land, including the Cree, Blackfoot, Métis, Nakota Sioux, Iroquois, Dene, Ojibwe, Soto, Anishinaabe, Inuit, and many others whose histories, languages, and cultures continue to influence our vibrant community. For more information on our program and to send us any feedback, please check out our website, adamandevecjsr.wordpress.com. We're always looking for more volunteers to help out, so if you're interested in learning any aspect of radio production, just get in touch.